seeing them in their natural habitat with no one else around is, is very different. It feels incredibly special. It felt honestly like being a part of history, seeing Antarctica in that way, and it made you think, obviously, of all the great expeditions. Everyone that was with me on the trip, and myself included, got so much out of the sense of adventure and how you, you sort of feel like you get the ship there yourself, you know, you're part of that team. Hi, I'm Emma, and this is Trip Report. Today, I'm with Sophie, who is from London. She went on a life-changing trip to Antarctica on board a Dutch tall sailing ship with a small crew. This meant she was really able to get up close and personal with the landscapes and wildlife. Amazingly, she also got to go on her trip of a lifetime as a volunteer. So let's jump straight into the interview. So welcome to the podcast, Sophie. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So you went to Antarctica and when did you travel to Antarctica? I travelled in January, seems like a lifetime ago now. So we set off on the 4th of January and was away for about three and a half weeks. Oh wow, and what made you go to Antarctica? So I went to Antarctica on a tall ship expedition, sailing expedition, which has always been a bit of a dream of mine, certainly the sailing aspect. And I was very lucky to be asked to join the trip as the doctor. Uh, so it was, a, it was a volunteer position. So I very generously didn't have to pay for my trip, um, but kind of offered my services along the way. And Antarctica really was, was offered to me. It, it wasn't somewhere that I'd, you know, I think everyone probably dreams of going because it's such a dream place but it certainly wasn't somewhere I had imminent plans of going and then only about four months before the the company that run the trip offered the position to me and I snapped it up so it was yeah a dream come true really. Wow what, what an opportunity and so are you a doctor regularly then? I am I'm a GP. Oh brilliant okay so did you sort of get headhunted? Well I, I have a friend who went on the trip a couple of years ago and I do I do some expedition medicine and we'd been chatting and I was sort of saying to him you know it would be lovely I've actually sailed with him before and we were chatting one day and I was saying you know it'd be lovely to kind of combine a bit of expedition medicine with sailing but I haven't found the right thing yet and he's like oh you know you should you should just approach uh Bark Europa which is the name of the ship and um, they take a doctor on their trips so Long story short, I basically cold called them <laughs> about a year and a half ago, um, offering my services, and they were very, very nice. And yeah, and then about four months, as I say, before the trip, they got in touch and said, "Do you fancy coming to Antarctica?" So yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. I mean, it must be quite something to do medicine on a ship in the middle of nowhere. Effectively, <laughs> very different to to being a GP. <laughs> It was totally different, yeah, to anything that I'd done before. I mean, even the the few expeditions were all, that I've done before were all land-based. So this was very different. And certainly being so remote put a different slant on, on the few things that, that happened. Yeah, but it was exciting and it was a real learning curve for me as well. Sure. I was, I was about to say, was there a lot to take in, a lot to learn before you went? Well, it was difficult to know, really, um, which was quite nerve wracking. I wasn't really sure. I had a sort of list of kit that they had on the ship and I'd spoken to a doctor who had been on the ship before. So she'd sort of filled me in. 
I really wasn't sure what to expect. So it was a case of kind of hitting the ground running a little bit and also dealing with, you know, feeling seasick myself and, you know, the, the sailing and the trip myself as well as sort of being there in a kind of caring role as well. So, but I have to say, I mean, the rest of the crew were so supportive and, yeah, it was in general a really fantastic experience. Amazing. So what was the date that you left on? So it was the... I think we actually left on the 9th, I believe. So we joined the ship maybe on the 6th. And you then spend, the crew spend a couple of days fully cleaning and kitting out the ship sort of in between trips. So I arrived and, and was sort of scrubbing the decks literally for about three days. Um, and then we actually departed on the 9th. So where did you depart from? Did you fly into Chile or? No. So I flew to Argentina to Buenos Aires and then flew internally to Ushuaia just on the very tip of Argentina and the ship docks in in Ushuaia so we left from there um, and then started our crossing across the Drake Passage which took about five days on the way down Um, so got to Antarctica maybe around the 14th of January. Okay so when you you got there you kind of met your crewmates and was were there a lot of crew that you were with with? Yeah, so the ship is sort of roughly half crew, half paying guests that we call the voyage crew. Um, so there was, a, there was a big bunch of crew. And the really lovely thing is it's very international. So the ship is Dutch. Um, so there, there obviously are Dutch crew members, but there are also crew members from Argentina, America, South Africa, uh, England, obviously, Scotland. Um, so it was really, really fun. And just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of really experienced people um I you know never met real kind of seagoers so it was that was a real thrill yeah I'm sure it sounds really great to have so many different nationalities in one place that must be really quite an experience as well and so you left on the nights did you say yes yeah so you got there you sort of met the crew um cleaned the ship got it all spick and spanned for the paying guests to come and then you left and I did have a little look on the Bark uh, Europa website and it seems to be that they get everybody involved in the sailing aspect is that right they do I mean the wonderful thing about it and I think what really appeals about it for me to join was that it's very much although people pay to come on it it's it's a small ship for one thing so you do feel sort of like a family and the people who pay to come usually really want to sail the ship so there were a lot of you know really seasoned sailors who it had always been their dream to to be on a tall ship or their dream to go to Antarctica so everyone gets involved. Um, so all the voyage crew get put in what we call the watch system, uh, where you're on duty for a certain number of hours and then off duty. And during that time, you might be lookout or at the helm, so steering the ship. And then the crew obviously have their own watch system as well. So yeah, absolutely everyone got involved, um, which was really great fun. And I've never sailed a ship, but is there a lot of things to do, a lot of different jobs? There are, yeah. It's funny. I mean, there are moments when it doesn't feel like there's a lot to do, certainly when you're doing the kind of crossing part to Antarctica. But other times it's very, very busy. So if you need a sail change or 
um, something like that, and where it's literally you know, cliche, but all, all hands on deck. Um, and obviously, there's all the other side to it. So there were two amazing chefs in the galley uh, cooking all our meals. It was incredible. And, and as I say, the cleaning that went on throughout the trip and before and after the engine that we had an engineer on board the whole time. So, yeah, there's there is a lot that keeps it going that you maybe don't always see. Sure. Yeah. But and was, were there many people that were sick? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> there are a number of people who are seasick. Um, it's kind of expected on that bit of water. So it's notoriously the, the roughest part of uh, water in the world. And we were actually very, very lucky on our, on our crossings. Um, sadly, I was still still seasick. But so there were there were a few people who were sick, and then we had a few other kind of accidents and things along the way. But luckily, nothing too dramatic, which I was relieved about. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. So we set off on the ninth, and then we crossed the Drake's Passage, which took about five days. So I think we got to the peninsula, or we we landed initially. So you land initially on on, on a few islands that are off the coast of the Antarctic Peninsula. So I think we hit them maybe the 14th, around the 13th or 14th of January. So a good four or five days of crossing before that. Okay. And did you go off when they went exploring Antarctica? Did you go with them or did you stay with the ship? I was very, very lucky. I was able to accompany all the landings, which was just absolutely incredible. I mean, I still can't get over how lucky I was to be able to do that. So we landed initially in the South Shetland Islands. Um, which are very kind of barren, rocky, very dramatic sort of landscapes, almost quite lunar looking. Um, and I won't ever forget seeing my first penguin, <laughs> just getting so excited. Um, so yeah, so I accompanied the voyage crew on, on all the landings. And throughout the two weeks we spent on the South Shetlands and then the peninsula, we did landings every day, usually kind of two or three. So we saw sort of a really kind of good variety of landscapes. Wow. And I bet you saw some amazing wildlife as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, every every kind of penguin I wanted to, amazing seals, really close up, um, whales. Uh, and I think just just the fact that you're seeing it, seeing them in their natural habitat with no one else around is is very different. It feels incredibly special. Yeah, amazing. And I imagine as well, you know, in this day and age with all the technology we have, having no kind of Google or internet or anything must have been really refreshing to, to be all that way, literally on your own, if you like. It was. <laughs> with no technology. Yeah, yeah. A few people asked me, you know, did I miss it? And I didn't at all. And I, I think part of that was the people I were with were great. And I was obviously having a great time. But I think, as you say, just actually being away from that is is very good for you. And, and interestingly, when I got back, I really found I didn't want to switch it on again. And I almost didn't want to leave that bubble of being away. And yeah, it was the first time that I'd ever really felt like that. So that was quite interesting. And then of course, I did switch it on and get sucked <laughs> back in Instagram. and all the <laughs> It pulls you back in. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So tell us about the ship. What was the ship like? What was it like living on the ship? Ah, the ship is beautiful. Um, it's, it's a real sort of piece of history. So it started, as I say, it's a Dutch ship. It started off as being built actually as a a lighthouse so it acted as a, a beacon of light that sat in the in the middle of a, a river sort of directing sailors and then 
later on it was sort of re um renovated if you like sails were added and it, it sort of became a, a sailing tool ship so it's a bit of a hybrid of things but it's it's beautiful wooden panels uh you know brass work this beautiful library on board it's very much sort of what you imagine so it was yeah it was really unique experience living on it I was living with the crew which was great so we were in we were in a cabin called the crew cave that was quite small um, and quite kind of compact we were in little bunks but it was it was fun and you know very much part of the experience and I think you know there were moments obviously where I <laughs> was being sick into a bucket that I sort of really wanted to to get off but uh, when I actually did come to leave at the end of the trip yeah it was quite sad really I felt very fond of it and um, it's yeah it felt honestly like being a part of history seeing Antarctica in that way and it made you think obviously of all the great expeditions you know Shackleton and um, the race to the pole and and, and all the the, his, the history that's happened there so it, it felt it felt very special and it added to that feeling I think of getting away from sort of modern ways of life as well especially under sail you know there was no other noise it's very much sort of back to basics and and that was really lovely yeah wow and it looks quite luxurious on board is it is it quite a luxurious ship <laughs> It's, I, I wouldn't say it was luxurious. It's <laughs> it's got a lot of character. Um, you know, the the bunks are pretty small, and but it's 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 luxurious, I guess, in that it's very much of its time. You know that that is what ships of that time are like. They are very cramped, and you are all kind of bunched together eating at night. And that was that was really lovely. Um, so it certainly wasn't like one of the big cruise liners, of which there are some that go down to Antarctica now. But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change the experience for anything. And I think everyone who went on the ship felt the same, that it sort of has this kind of magic about it. And 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 yeah, I mean, in terms of luxury, what was luxurious was the food we were given and, and things, you know, really what they managed to produce in the middle of a kind of ice field was, it was pretty incredible. <laughs> so um, it wasn't roughing it in that way at all. No, it, it looks really special. And I imagine when you're all kind of pulling together, like you say, all hands on deck, you really have a great bond with everybody on that on the experience together I imagine you do yeah I mean we all still chat which is really really nice and I, I think yeah I think it does create a real as I said sense of family and it really stays with people I think I've noticed particularly among the voyage crew um people still want to be in touch and you you've just shared something really special um and the, the voyage crew are also very international so from all over the world with different kinds of experience and life story and you know it's yeah it just had some amazing conversations as well which which was great and so when you went on your daily expeditions to the landings did you go off on a smaller boat or did the big boat go how did that work yeah so you go on um little uh, ribs or dinghies that they call zodiacs so it's sort of a, a dinghy with a motor but I'm sure you know well. So yeah, so the big ship, the Europa, anchors somewhere, and the Zodiacs then take people to to land. But the the lovely thing about the Europa is that because she's quite small compared to many of the vessels that go to the peninsula, we were able to get to a lot of sites that many people don't get to see. So that again felt really special. And and sometimes she would be able to anchor like quite near the the coastline. But yeah, there's, I mean, the Zodiac rides were quite fun. Um, sometimes you were 
pushing your way through ice, you know, um, very, very small icebergs and things. And it allowed you to get very close and up close and personal to the wildlife. So yeah, again, it was all part of the experience, I think. Wow. Wow. And so how long did you stay in the Antarctica area? So we stayed around the peninsula for about two weeks. So we sailed down the coast, kind of going into various um, coves and we stopped at one of the research stations, Ukrainian research station, which was really fun. <laughs> and then we sort of turned around towards the end of the second week and kind of made our way back up on a slightly different route before we crossed back. So yeah, probably about two, two and a bit weeks in Antarctica itself. So did you stop by the research station and see what they were doing? We did, yeah. So we stopped by a research station called Vernadsky which is a whole story in and of itself. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it used to be a British research station and it was given to the Ukrainians in the 1970s. And since then, it has, I think, developed quite a reputation and personality for being a very kind of fun-loving group of people who they do primarily geographic, um, geological sorry, research there. So we were able to sort of see a bit of what they were doing. But I think most people enjoy the part where we're introduced to their bar. And um, they, they <laughs> are proud to be the most southern uh, bar in the world and still their own vodka. And many of us sampled it that evening. So <laughs> it was really, really fun. And, and it was just really fun meeting a group of people who are obviously living a very different life. And they then came on board the ship that evening and we had a big party. And it was just very surreal. That moment in particular felt like being in a sort of Louis Theroux documentary <laughs> or something. Um, so, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun meeting people who'd been there for you know a year or something, and and that's wow. that's their life there. So that was quite unique. And how many people were in in the research station? I think there were about ten, maybe more. There's usually more in the summer, um, and then obviously a smaller number, kind of skeleton staff, stay then throughout the winter. But yeah, they were they were great. There was a doctor there actually. I never didn't get to meet her unfortunately, but there was a doctor there for the base. So it did make me think, hmm, <laughs> might be an interesting job. I'm not sure whether I could do a whole year though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite remote to be for a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing though, amazing experience, brilliant. And so then, when you got, it took you another five days to get back after the two weeks around the peninsula, or was it different? Yeah, we were really lucky going back. So the weather was a little bit rougher than it had been on the way down. So there were maybe two nights that were very rocky, according to the crew. Like still nothing compared to you know what they've seen. But yeah, I found it quite rocky, and we were quite determined to avoid a nasty looking weather front that was coming in that would have made it even more unpleasant so we really kind of powered um with both sail and motor for a couple of days and we made it back in record time so i think we crossed the drake's passage in about three and a half days on the way back which is which is really fast so yeah and then we were sort of back and the moment you see kind of green land again is is really strange <laughs> and it all begins to feel a bit like a dream that you've been in this uh, kind of white winter wonderland oh wow and did you have to take any special equipment or anything with you no I mean I took my stethoscope because <laughs> I always always go with it but the ship was really well uh, equipped in terms of medical equipment and they had a lot of stuff mainly because obviously if anything does happen out there you're really far away from help 
So if we had had to evacuate anyone, it would have meant either the ship turning round and sailing all the way back, either flagging down another ship or in very kind of rare circumstances, getting a sort of medieval plane evacuation, which is quite, which is quite challenging. So, yeah, it means that you have to be prepared to, to sort of try and deal with things there and then. But also people have to be aware when they come on that kind of trip that they are in a remote setting and, you know, hopefully it won't. But sadly, if something were to happen, there may not be much that we could do about it. But luckily, as I say, we didn't obviously have any of those kind of events. So it was all okay. And was there anything that surprised you about the trip? Uh, anything that surprised me? I think just I shouldn't be surprised, I guess, but I was surprised by how affected by the place I was. So before I went, I remember my mum saying to me, I think this is going to just change your life going to Antarctica. And I was a little bit like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I'm very, very lucky. I've been to some beautiful parts of the world. Um, and I certainly was looking forward to it, but I wasn't prepared for how amazing it was going to be it just completely blew my mind and it's really difficult to describe as I say I think it's a combination of how empty it is how quiet beautiful you know all all, all the rest of it so really you know for a long time after I came back and still it's just this really kind of it really imprinted itself on my on my memory And, and interestingly a lot of people I've talked to have said that when people go, they often really want to go back. And I can see now why why that is. Anything else that surprised me? I don't think so. But only I think because I was I really wasn't sure what to expect. So I don't think I had a lot of preconceived ideas about it. You know, I thought I'd get a bit sick and I did. <laughs> I thought the crew would be friendly and nice than they were. So I don't think there were any other surprises. No. So do you have any recommendations for future travellers? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. The first thing I would say was, would, would we definitely do it? I think, I think a lot of people maybe get put off because it, although, as you say, the ship is luxurious in its own way, it's a, certainly a different kind of trip. So it's not maybe relaxing in the way that a cruise to Antarctica might be. You know, you are sort of up in the middle of the night on watch and things like that so I think maybe that might put some people off but I would say that everyone that was with me on the trip and myself included got so much out of the sense of adventure and how you you sort of feel like you get the ship there yourself you know you're part of that team so I'd, I'd really recommend it and also I think as I say seeing such a beautiful place from a ship that is in itself a part of history and also is small and able to get into the nooks and crannies and yeah I I've been totally spoiled in in how I've seen it so I would really recommend it And, and also to anyone who hasn't sailed before you don't need to be experienced the crew are really good at showing people how to do things and so it's certainly don't let that put you off if you've not sailed before yeah, I mean, the pictures of the ship, it just looks amazing and looks like a really amazing and awesome experience. And I can see why, like you say, it kind of changes your life and your outlook after going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think also meeting the crew who, who are, as I say, are so international. And, and I think on that kind of trip, you 
you're just bound to meet people who are who have very different perspectives and outlooks on life and, and different experiences and you know meet people who as I say have been at sea for years or people who've just taken some time out of life and and I think I don't know that felt really sort of invigorating as well and I think the voyage crew as well got a lot from that. Sorry, the Voyage crew are the ones that are on board all the time, or are they the paying crew? The Voyage crew are the paying guests, yeah. Right. So the the crew that are on there, as you were, like volunteering, are they there all the time, or do they come and go kind of as you did, you know, just come for one trip? Or Yes, it's a bit of both. So the crew are mostly paid to be there and um, so the doctor's a little bit different um, it's a volunteer position so the crew particularly the more experienced crew members are are salaried to be there and most of them have or certainly on my trip most of them had done a number of trips before and were sort of very experienced and usually I think for the Antarctica season they do three trips in a row as a maximum Um, because they are it is fairly intense and it is quite tiring so it probably would struggle to do a bit more than that but then the Europa so the Europa sails all year round apart from when she's in the boatyard for a few weeks in the summer so many of the crew had been on much longer voyages of sort of two months at a time and things. So yeah, most people I think come along and, and work and, and love it and want to come back. So I certainly got the impression that many of them had done seasons before. Are you tempted to go back and do another season? I would love to. Yeah, I would love to. I, I think in terms of the medicine aspect, there's, as I say, I was very lucky that um, we had actually very few things happen and it all was okay. It's sort of, again, highlighted for me, as every expedition does, that you really want to be as confident as you can in terms of managing things remotely. So it sort of further encouraged me to get a bit more experience in certain areas um, and feel a bit more comfortable. And then definitely, yeah, I would be up for going back. Brilliant. And is there anything you'd change about your trip? You know, I don't think I would. I mean, another thing I haven't mentioned is we were extraordinarily lucky extraordinarily lucky with the weather, um, which obviously isn't something that I could change. And in a way was quite poignant because I mean, they recorded the highest temperatures in Antarctica ever while we were there, which was a little bit strange and, and obviously not a hugely nice thing. But the sun did mean that the, the landscapes were just, you know, shown to us in this kind of magical way. And it, it just was, and many of the crew said, you know, they'd never seen kind of weather like it. So I certainly wouldn't change anything of that. Um, I'd possibly take a different anti-sickness <laughs> combination <laughs> now that I've experienced it. I'd sort of think about that <laughs> a little bit more. But other than that, I honestly wouldn't change anything. No. Fantastic. And do you have a favourite bit? Oh, that's so hard. Um, so I spent my birthday there. Um, and my birthday was the 18th of January. And we'd just actually got to the Antarctic Peninsula after the first few days spent in the South Shetland Islands. And that day was something I'll never forget, stepping on land. Um, I actually went swimming in Antarctica on my birthday. Wow. <laughs> I had a wonderful cake that the galley crew made. So I probably have to say that was, that was a highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah, that certainly sounds like a really amazing birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be next year. <laughs> so is there anything else that you'd like to add that you haven't yet mentioned? No, I don't think so. As I say, just, I mean, 
just would encourage people to do it. I think a big a big part of it for me, possibly because I was going in the role I was going in, was about saying yes to something unknown and, and something uncertain. And also, I think learning to be, and this is probably something I'll talk more about with a few other uh, talks I might be doing, is that it really was a challenge of being humble as well. So really, you know, part of being on the ship and being part of the crew was knowing what you could and couldn't do. And for me, there was a lot of really having, although I'd sort of sailed dinghies and things before, I'd never sailed anything like that. So a lot of it was a really steep learning curve and, and getting things wrong and having to be told off for not doing it right and then eventually learning to do it right. And actually, you know, that was that was probably as challenging as, as some of the other parts. And so it just, yeah, it kind of taught me that often saying yes to opportunities isn't just about using your skills and like being brave and having the courage to do it. It's also about, being led by other people and having the courage to to know what you don't know as well so I guess that was a big part of it for me Mm, that that certainly sounds amazing and I can see why that would be very affected on you how it would affect you in your life as well from going through learning all those different things that you don't normally have to kind of be open to and admit that you know you might not be able to do that thing whatever it is that you're being taught to do so that you can be part of the big picture together yeah I think especially as a medic you're very much trained to be competent at what you do often sometimes you know often when you don't feel it (laughs) I have to say (laughs) and then especially being a GP where you do work very autonomously to then go into a situation where I didn't feel in my comfort zone and you know obviously did in the medical side to a certain extent but in terms of the actual sailing of the ship I was very much a novice and as I say, yeah, that was that was challenging. Mm. So it was an exercise in getting over that and getting over myself, you know, and just and getting on with it. And and I'm really glad I did. So yeah, as you say, that that's probably one of the things that has affected me the most, I think. Well, thank you so much. Is there anywhere that we can see any of your photos? Have you are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram, yeah. So my handle is Dr. S. Redlin. Um, there's some photos on there. And I will actually be doing, if anyone's listening who's in the Yes tribe, um, I will be doing a Yes story on my trip to Antarctica on the 16th of June. And I'm hoping I'll show some photos then as well. Fantastic. And I'll link to those in the show notes as well so people can find you. Great. Thanks so much, Sophie. It's been really fantastic to hear about your trip. Wow, what an amazing experience. Oh, thank you, Emma, for inviting me on. And yeah, I think it's a great idea for a podcast and I'm looking forward to hearing all the other stories too. I was so pleased to find Sophie and have her come on the podcast. When I started this podcast, I never thought I'd find one person to chat with about Antarctica, let alone two. Sophie's trip sounds quite different to Show's trip in episode four, and it just goes to show how different one destination can be for different trips. I love the way that Sophie talks about how it affected her life. If you'd like to find out more about Sophie's trip, there are links to everything we've mentioned in the show notes. You can also see more of her trip over on my Instagram, so don't forget to join in the conversation there too. I love to hear your feedback and would also love to know where is on your bucket list, so feel free to DM me and let me know. Do you have a friend that loves travel and interesting holidays? Just click the share button and send them this podcast. 
Every now and then, I come across an amazing podcast, and this week I'd like to share with you the Maps and Coffee podcast. Joan and Annalisa explore small towns, finding out the history, things to do, and fun facts. They explore the places that people typically drive by and don't think about. From the cute and quaint to the dark and creepy, they're covering it all. So go check out the Maps and Coffee podcast. Next time on the podcast, I'm chatting with Marie, who went on a month-long trip to the Philippines with her three friends. She tells me all about what surprised her about the islands and her top tips for travelling through that beautiful part of the world. If you're longing for beaches and remote hideaways, you will love travelling vicariously with us. So don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss it. I also have some bonus episodes coming up that you may miss if you're not subscribed, covering various travel topics. So until the next episode, travel well and travel safe.